Red alert. Red alert. Red alert. You crossed my line of death. You haven't dismantled your MX stockpile. Pakistan is threatening my border. That's it, Buster. No more military aid. Nuke them. Get them before they get you. Another quality home game from Butler Brothers. You've insulted me, and you've insulted this company with that bastard creation of yours. I had a guaranteed military sale with Ed 209. Renovation program. Spare parts for 25 years. Who cares if it worked or not? The old man thought it was pretty important. Dick. You know, he's a sweet old man. And he means well. But he's not gonna live forever. And I'm number two around here. Pretty simple math, huh, Bob? You just fucked with the wrong guy. You're in fucking mind. Drop it! That are alive, you are coming with me. Hey everybody, welcome back to another sweet, sweet episode of Citizen Frame. I'm your host, Kieran. I buy that for a dollar once. <laughs> I had to put it in there. And we are talking the 1987 sci-fi action film, Robocop. And actually, today's episode is sponsored. We are sponsored by Nukem. You get them first before they get you. A Butler Brothers board game. I don't think anybody's going to get that reference. Well, I well, like to think uh, if they're listening to Robocop podcast, they should understand. Yeah, the hard <laughs> the fans, the fans of the film will get it okay. Yeah. That's right. But if you haven't seen Robocop, there's no such thing as uh, Nukem, just to let you know, because we have no sponsorship yet, sadly. We are spoiler-filled and contain harsh language as usual. I am joined with the usual band of misfits, Trevor and Colin. What's up, guys? Good to be here. Good to be here as well. Um, I know this is pretty much a fan fave all over the board. Any any fan of any film buff, I guess you can say, who loves science fiction um, or even action in general is going to love this film. This is a great year for cinema. I saw this in Predator. It, it was a great thing. Like a month, with, it, with a month, with a, within a month of each other. It was a nice year for sci-fi action. Yeah, I, I think the sort of mid to late, late 80s was just like the ultimate sort of um, era for sort of action and sort of sci-fi actions and sort of, you know, um, we had sort of you know big stars like Stallone and Arnie and stuff. You know, it was just a, it was just a great era to grow up in with these types of films. You know. Yeah, I mean, well, it's not going to be as good as I Come in Peace. <laughs> well, that is very true. That was yeah, a cinema marvel. That's just the height of cinema right yeah. there. <laughs> I know. I mean, the one thing Predator and RoboCop don't have, and Colin. They don't have a boner. That is very <laughs> true. I actually forgot all about that until that point. <laughs> uh, please, uh, refrain your judgment until you uh, listen to our podcast yeah. <laughs> of I Come a Peace, I think, or Slash Dark Angel. Um, yeah, let's just jump right into this one. Per, uh, uh, Paul Verhoeven, um, he's, just, he's disappeared. He kind of went back to his German roots and just uh, smaller indie films now. But man, this guy just put out some good films. Obviously, we're going to talk about RoboCop. Then he followed that up with Why Not Total Recall. 
Then he followed up with the erotic smash. Not a fan of it, but I get it. Basic Instinct. Then he followed up with another satire, I guess you could say, which is called Starship Troopers. And then he did another one, which I'm a fan fave. Nobody seems to like it, but I do. Kevin Bacon's Hollow Man. I, I thought I it was okay. I, I quite liked it. Yeah. Don't forget Shoegirls as well, he did. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why he left. <laughs> yeah, that did not. And I did it. Well, no pun intended. Yeah, I did it. I, yeah. You know what's funny about Shoegirls? He's actually the only guy, I think a couple of actors have done it. You know the, the Razzies? Yes. He went to the ceremony and he accepted his worst, worst picture and worst director award for Shoulder. For Palladium. <laughs> I know Tom Green did it as well for Freddy Get Fingered. And it actually made this completely over-the-top, ridiculous sort of speech and stuff. You know, thanking everybody and you know pretending to be emotional and stuff. And Halle Berry did it as well for her Catwoman role. Ah, oh, that film. Oh, well, oh, God. It's a bad movie. Uh, well, Robocop. Let's just let's shoot the shit. Let's talk about it. What's going on with it today? Does it does it still hold up? Um, well, little Q and A about RoboCop. Okay. Yeah, I've got. Go ahead. My first question. Go ahead. Yes. So we are. Why I'm watching RoboCop, and I've watched it fucking huge, so many different times. See him. But this time kind of got to me, and I'm I'm just trying to figure. So we all know RoboCop is more of a satire. Um, a lot of the villains' deaths are very over the top. We'll certainly get to them, um, but make them comic book over the top, you know, and good fun. But there's a particular death that's very dark, and that is obviously Murphy's. Yes, mm. um, it is a hard watch. Even when I saw it um, back in the day, it's a tough, tough execution. Um, watching him get gunned down like he did. And for such a fun film, and it is technically a fun film, this was kind of dark. And I never really caught it until this viewing where is there a rhyme and reason why he kind of went to that dark approach with his death and the rest were became more comic booky? I think um, it, adds more, it adds dramatic weight to the rest of the film. You know, um, you know it gives, you know, Robocop, um, a.k.a. Murphy, you know, a, a proper sort of reason to be out there and to exist. Uh, for uh, as an audience member, it, it it it's a real powerful emotional sort of um, you know death scene, and it's like saying you know this this film doesn't fuck about. Um, uh, it, it it's br- the, the violence throughout the film is brutal. Um, especially you know the death scene of Murphy at the at the, you know in the opening act. Um, however, as you um, correctly state, uh, you know a lot of it's almost comic book later on. Um, uh, but I would say that throughout the film, none of the violence ever appears to be gratuitous because it's so skillfully handled and so artistically handled. You know, it's almost like an art form in itself. The, these killings, and um, aside from the death of Murphy, yes, the other ones are all sort of tongue in cheek and sort of cartoonish almost. But yeah, I think it really does um, lend a lot of emotional weight to the rest of the story well colin i know you you're big on more of the film the fact that it's kind of like a satire yeah although surprisingly this death does have meaning uh verhoeven went back to it to explore and yes satire is a big part of this but he seemed Mm -hmm. to from what i understand because again you go down these rabbit holes of you know you read about films and eventually shit sticks well that's what happened to me years ago i went down this big robocop like how it was made, how it was shot, what were the themes. 
like a lot of kind of films like the matrix for example there's the good old christ resurrected um seemingly the reason that his hand was blown off in particular was to mirror christ and the crucifixion you beat me to it so you did yeah. um colin <laughs> i was just about to get down this road it is a retelling the, the film overall as of the the story of jesus christ he even walk robocop even walks on water near the oh. end Karen's now like, what? I thought this was just no. a good popcorn film. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, Jesus Christ, really? Oh, wait a minute. No, bad joke. Um, all right, so is that what you also got from it then, Colin? Was it, I mean, what else did you read on in it? That didn't immediately stand out to me until I went down and did the research. You know, I'm not even talking this time around. This is right. when I went down, you know, as I do... Terminator, Robocop, basically anything with robots, I'll read about it. Um, but no, for me, yeah. Um, I saw this as an edited cut on VHS growing up. Um, I was of the age where when this film came out in the cinema, I would have been uh, like six. <laughs> Wait, no, it was 87, Jesus. wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, I was four. Um so I, I got it on VHS and I played with the Robocop toys because I think Robocop 2 was released and there was a so-called toy line with that. So I had a Robocop toy. I had, you know, the bikes and all that. Car, great. Um, but it was a very watered-down experience for me watching it the first couple of times around. You don't see any of this violence. So watching it as an adult, you really get to see this scene. And you're like, damn. Yeah, it's, br- it's sadistic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so it is. I also find that it's still got that that dark humor that Robocop has. That's oh, absolutely. Satire, you know, like the give the man a hand. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I think it also sets. Um, and so when I say sadistic, I don't mean by the director. I mean by the you know within the context of the story. You oh know, yeah. and, and by the bad guys, I don't mean by Paul Verhoeven. Um, but um, I, I think it definitely works because. Um, it also sets the bad guys up as a proper threat, you know. Um, yeah. it, it's like these aren't just silly sort of bad guys that are going to be easily defeated. It, it sets them up as real badasses. Agreed. The one thing I liked about the film was they actually set up in the very beginning. And all it is is two Muppets, uh, not Muppets, but actors, but they're idiots. You know, they're just clowns. They're, uh, news, they're uh, news broadcasters. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing pretty much tells you what's, what, what's about to happen yeah. or why it's going to happen. Um, it's kind of like watching, is there a RoboCop part, you know, prequel to this? That Because you know how they, when you see a sequel, they always have like a flashback or something to kind of get, get, get yeah. you caught up? Well, it's kind of what they did with this one, but it's just kind of, okay, here's the situation. Detroit's in a meltdown. The police force is about to go on strike. And there's a bad guy, called, you know, um, out there, blah, blah, blah. Gives you all the main, you know, characters. Yeah, exposition, and, essentially. Yes, exactly. And what's about to happen and what's about to go down. Yeah. Now, the reason I brought up Murphy's death, it hit me hard. And I'm watching the film, and and actually, it's the first time I'm thinking, I fucking, there's a, we'll, get, we'll get to the scenes, but you really feel for Murphy's character. Yeah, it's all intentional. Um, there's, there, there's a scene where he gets gunned down by his own men, the police, and it's a hard watch. And when I was watching this, I was like, Jesus, I'm really feeling, this, I feel sorry for this fucker. And... It kind of goes back to the question I was asking you a second ago about why his scene was so real and graphic, where the other ones is more, you know, it's, Frank Miller-esque comic book. And that's, it's to set up the fact you want this guy 
to get revenge. Yeah. You want this guy, he's lost, everything's been taken away from him, um, including his family. So you're rooting for this guy because if you made his more of a cartoony kind of death, you wouldn't care. The audience it, wouldn't care. He wouldn't. Yeah, you'll be it'd just be you just go with the other other deaths. It, it's emotional it would, manipulation it by the director. But not only does he do that though, is what he does. And this is the scene you talk about emotional manipulation. <laughs> it's got more than two syllables. I'm fucked. <laughs> um, but the transition of this scene. So when he gets gunned down. He's immediately taken, and there's a whole op, um, a trauma room scene, which is tough to watch, where they're trying to resuscitate yeah. him, clean him up, which, by the way, is actually played by real doctors. That's right, yeah. And the whole scene was ad-libbed. Mm-hmm. Um, but they uh, try to resuscitate him, yada, 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 get him back to life. Obviously, he, de- he flatlines. And then the next scene, he's RoboCop. Um, it's, it's just a great, it's through his eyes, yes. kind of. yeah. Because you see, see his passing, you see his life flashing behind, his, you know, in front of his eyes, and then the next vision, he, he's on this robotic form. Fucking, I really didn't appreciate that whole transition scene until literally I just watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, what you guys think? Yep, I, I agree completely. Um, um, I think it's a, an absolutely um, fantastic, um, you know, way of. I'm telling that part of the story. It's you know you don't see him in the factory being made or whatever. You see it all through his eyes. Yeah, I agree totally. What about you, Carl? Yeah, I'd be in the same boat. Um, that was one of my favorites again. Having seen it as a kid, like yes. And the big thing I like is it does what all good stories do. They hint at what you're going to get to see. They don't just you know show it there and then, so you don't get to see him. Until full reveal when what he's in the shooting range really, you'll see like a side glimpse when he's in the you know through the video camera. Yeah, you see brilliantly done. Yep, the frosted glass, so you just see the silhouette. The, the reactions also of the police officers. You know, you yeah. know this this is going to be a, this is a badass mo- uh, mofo because just, their reactions to him t- 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 um, speak so much. Yeah. So don't tell. And just that walking sound of him coming out. Just a. It's yeah. just purposeful and forceful. Um, that whole transition, yeah, I love that. Um, but one of the things that you're saying there, Karen, about the where the police officers turn on him, um, I'm hoping we'll circle back to that because there is something I want to mention about that one. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, again, there's really no rhyme or reason to uh, my hosting, so jump in anytime. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> um, I never really, again, it's, it's one of those things you... When you're sitting watching a movie, you don't necessarily pick up on themes, but you will if you have the intent to review it. Um, that scene for me just kind of went down the Frankenstein's monster route, where it's the angry, you know, angry villagers oh, yeah. out with their pitchforks scaring away this creation. Yeah, it's a good shout. I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know, um, it, it makes sense to me that that scene. Um, because it's you know the the fear of the creation as well, you know, um, you know, and I go and again it goes back to the humans are the greatest monsters of them all, you know. Yeah. Who are the who is the real that. monster here? You know. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, especially when you consider some of his colleagues did be like, no, he's a cop. Like, no, it's a you know it's a machine. It's it's made. Kill it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other guys walk away, and the rest of them decide to stick out and just shoot him. It's an abomination. That they say, yeah. or Dick Jones says that I believe. You're on holy abomination, or, or words to that effect. Yeah, uh, Colin, you're you're talking about how the introduction of RoboCop 
piggybacking on the scene I was talking, um, the transition period, mm-hmm. and how you kind of see him behind the glass. You can hear the sounds of him walking. And I was watching it, and kudos to two people. And that's pretty much uh, the great, great, great master. We've talked to him about him hundreds of times. And that's Rob Bottin. Yes, absolutely. The makeup artist god who gave us the thing, Total Recall, um, and of course, RoboCop. Um, uh, to, to create this, this this armor and obviously to Peter Weller because I didn't realize watching it again for you know for review purposes how robotic he's got to be to make it look like he's an actual robot yeah mm-hmm. and obviously when you add the sound effects to it you know you, you, clump, you, clump, you know well not clumpy clump that would be a horrible robot <laughs> clumpy clump here comes Robocop I know um, it just shows you know, the the uh, uh, the acting skills, it actually went into it, or the choreography, I guess you could say, that went into playing that role. People think, oh, put him in a suit and go. Yeah. I think this role would have been harder for, you know, this, this playing RoboCop, I I can almost guarantee you it would probably be harder to play that than Batman. And also, Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, his lower jaw movements, even whenever, whenever he's in the suit. I mean, the performance by Weller is, for me, akin to John Hurt under layers of makeup as the Elephant Man. Yeah. That's a tough role to do and express emotion like they both do. Plus yeah. the fact, I, I plus the fact he's a robot now, he's a cyborg. And I just don't think people realize that. Like I did, I just watched this Robocop go kick their ass. But now as you watch it through a different, you know, a different viewing, it uh, you can appreciate the uh, the time, the energy, and the acting chops it takes, and definitely the patience. Because I heard he he sweats so much in that thing, or he lost like three pounds yeah. a day. Um. But uh, kudos to both of them. Yeah, um, I'd actually like to give that a shout out to Sound Direction as well. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, of course, yes. Although at the same time, uh, the the critic in me is like, don't say it. What? I thought you were gonna make fun of the stop motion. Oh no 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 no! That's oh cool. No, that's fine. Cool. That's again the time. It's still based on sound. Is a Robocop's perpetual hum or not? He's always got this low, like, mm. uh, yeah. Um, but secondly, his, his just the sound of him walking. While I love it, he's not exactly what you would call stealthy. He doesn't have to be. <laughs> doesn't have to be. Yeah, that's what <laughs> well, I was about to say. He's but a he... hulking um, cyborg um, that that means business. But you yes, he, he wouldn't be good if he was sneaking up on someone. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, though. But he is a police officer, in which case, sometimes stealth is necessary. And he, I, he would up, just like, shoot them from a distance, blow their heads off. Yeah, yeah I suppose that's true. In, a, but... in an ultraviolet way, <laughs> and keeping. Or then you could just ruin it like Robocop Three and give him wings. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let, let's not talk about that movie. I, I also have to say I love how on paper and sort of if you look at the, the the cover and stuff, it looks like a kids' film. But you what? But when you actually watch it, it is anything but. And in fact, you were talking about there was tie-in toys and stuff that yeah. actually amuses me. You know, and well, that, was, that was the eighties. You know, there was yeah. Well, there were, I had there was Rambo toys whenever I was a kid. You know, yeah. and ha- Rambo action figures. You I know, had Terminator so. toys. It's great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you still had you had um, uh, what was that one? You, you had Freddy Krueger toys, yes. and that thing was he was a child molester. Yeah, pedophile. You know, and so I mean, um, I it's it's funny because the uh, the screenwriter, uh, I'm sorry, the Greg. Niedermeyer, I, I, I'm, I'm butchering that, so I'm sorry if he's listening. <laughs> so yeah. it tells me he's not. But he got the idea for Wobacop from Blade Runner. 
and I read this when I was researching a bit, what I thought was cool because he liked the fact that cops are chasing robots. But what happens if a cop was a robot chasing the bad guys? Yeah. So he decided he wanted to mix it because he used to be, he used to, uh, I, I can't remember, but he was an assistant on, on the Blade Runner. And this is where he started writing Robocop on that set, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Because this does play off, because I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Blade Runner and Total Recall um, is done by a sci-fi author Philip K. Dick and this place like Philip K. Dick could have wrote this yeah yeah. set in the not too distant future not dystopian type bleak yeah exactly so it does have a Blade Runner feel not obviously like Blade Runner but I think you guys get no I know I know exactly what you're saying there's that bleak dystopian feel to it you know, yeah. you know where there's there's a like almost like a hopelessness, and and society is crumbling. You know that sort of thing. Well, there's Detroit. Yeah, it's still like that. So, it's 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 Detroit's making a comeback. Let's get that off the way. That it's making a comeback. Um, let's talk about some of the actors in here. We've got the old man played by awesome Dan O'Hurley. He was funny in the '80s because he was just a veteran actor yes. in the '50s and '60s. But we talked about him. He played Greg in the Last Starfighter. Um, he was also the uh, Leprechaun, uh, the bad guy in Halloween Three. Yes, uh, Cochran. He wasn't. What's with you in Leprechaun? No, no, he, he was in Leprechaun as well, wasn't he? No, he wasn't. Was he not? I think you 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 keep bringing up Leprechaun. He, I think you have I an think obsession he, with that fucking movie. <laughs> I think he was in one of the Leprechaun films, though, maybe one of the later ones. No, I might be I getting don't mixed see up. Him. I might be getting yeah. mixed up. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, um, I love seeing Ronnie Ronnie Cox. Brilliant. He plays the bad guy Jones. You got Kurtwood Smith. Um, actually, the one time he plays a bad guy, usually he's, he's actually a very lovable character <laughs> actor. Um, and then Miguel Ferre plays Morton. It, it is the a great thing brilliant is cast all around. I mean, you've, you've Ray Wise in there, Nancy Allen. I don't think there is yeah. a weak link in the cast. Um, there's the opening introduction. Um, uh, sadly, when we see Mister Kinney get blown away by Ed Two Hundred Nine, very funny scene. <laughs> Love that scene. But darkly, so it's genuinely so darkly humorous. You know, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I think that's actually fun for the rest of the movie, though. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. it does exactly. But it's a great scene, and it, even before the Ed Two Hundred Nine malfunction part, just the conversation between Kenny uh, Morton yep. and uh, the other gentleman—I can't remember his name—but they're walking through the hall. The camera's just one shot. The camera's following them yep. the whole time. You can see an American corporation or a corporation in general having assholes like this. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Just a bunch of ass kissing, backstabbing weasels. And, he, and even after um, Kenny gets blown away, um, they're talking about yes, this is um, but uh, Bob Morton says yes, this is my opportunity now to get um, sort of RoboCop sort of up and running. And um, um, the other guy, you know, his friend says shame about Kenny though. He goes ah fuck him, <laughs> you know, yeah, tough shit type thing. I mean. I mean, it's just, it's, you could just see it. And the whole shot, like I said, is just one long shot. And it's just, uh, I believe he sets up the tone, um, especially for the, uh, the Morton character, who's the, well, he's a douche, but he's really not the bad guy. Yeah, he's charismatic as well. He's quite likable. He's very likable, but he's an asshole as well, you know? Yeah, but he's, he's an asshole. And you always think that he's going to turn out to be the bad guy, but he's really not. He's just a douchebag. Yeah. Where in, during the movie it flips it on you because you think Jones is the guy, he's old school, he's the one who's going to rectify the Ed 209, get it up running, be a little competitive. But it turns out he's actually the the, 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 the killer in the group. Yeah. Which I thought was a nice setup. Um, let's talk about the deaths. Okay. <laughs> so many. Now, yeah. yeah. Which one? <laughs> let's, let's do it this way. Um, 
Well, I, I know we're all going to talk about the toxic guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he, when he gets it. But I have one in general, and then I'll let you guys jump in and, and see what you thought. Uh, the climax, where Robocop gets a, uh, a bunch of trash, metal dumped on him, right? Yeah. So he's trapped, and he can't get out. He's And, again, I felt so sorry for this. He's just sitting there, especially when he doesn't have the helmet. Because, again, the makeup job, when he doesn't have the helmet on, it's fucking incredible. Can I just say, as a um, side note, apparently Rob Button and Paul Verhoeven had um, a big fallout over um, wanting to show Robocop with the you know with the mask off and Rob Button wanted to, to be done in shadow and apparently the, the two of them had a big falling out but the director you know got his way but apparently whenever that they then went to the first screening of it um the premiere um the, the two of them then just like agreed that yeah uh, you know great this is this has really worked made friends and then later went on to work on Total Recall together yeah I mean it does work um usually I'm with the FX guy mm-hmm. but Rob Bottin, um was wrong because. You talked about feeling sorry for the character, making it more human. You had to do this in order for that to work. Well, um, Paul Verhoeven had more faith in Rob Button's special effects than Rob Button did, essentially. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so when so he, you know, uh, Boddicker shoves the, the big steel pike through him, yeah. steel spike through him. He's like, oh, whatever. And then he just cuts his throat, right? And something, a big chunk of meat falls on Robocop. It's <laughs> a... What was that? Because all he did was cut his throat. No, he stabbed him right through the jugular. It was just a blood, like blood bath. Yeah, yeah it was a big clot of blood and, and like sort of sinew and sort of that type of thing. You know. Okay, so it was it was because I thought it, was, it looked like meat, like a muscle. No, yeah, it was, it was like part of his neck. Blood. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was just curious. This wasn't just like a, a, a like a, a needle, like you would get vaccinated. <laughs> this was a a big um, spike. You know. Speaking um, of I that know, spike, I though, know. am I the only one that's just really disappointed in that we got USB sticks instead of one of those? <laughs> can, I, <laughs> can I also, what's worth noting as well, we're talking about, you know, the, the retelling of the story of Jesus Christ and stuff. It's also worth noting that um, the, 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 the hand that the spike is on that Robocop kills Clarence Bodiger with is also the very same hand that um, they shot off. Oh, I didn't catch that either. Yeah, I, so revenge. I, I, I have to admit, I, um, um, that was I, I, I discovered that during my research. I didn't catch that myself um, first time until I did the research, and I thought, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool nod, actually, by you know the director. Hmm. And it's something small, like you wouldn't really catch that. Yeah, yeah, hmm, that's fair. I mean, that shows he's put a lot of thought into it, like more so than we actually thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, here at Citizen Frame, we really take our reviews seriously, and we really do our research. Yes. <laughs> 100%. Well, I, I sounded so believable when I said that. <laughs> Did you, though? I was calling. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Um, uh, all right, so going back to the deaths, just still talking about the deaths. Uh, Colin, let's, um, obviously there's a handful of them. Um, I like the, more the, the, the one-off ones. The rape one was kind of funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. Shut the I balls. Can't that. I can't believe I'm using that in a sentence, but you know, I think we know where we've seen the film and where I'm going with it. I, but yeah. Colin, what was your what was your reaction to the deaths? I actually feel the end scenes are a little rushed. Ah, okay, okay. Um, yeah, I, I felt that as well on the rewatch. Like compared to, like, say for example, the drug factory scene where he's just charging through everyone. Brilliant. I mean, you know, that sort of shows how indestructible he is at that point at least anyway he's just charging through a ton of guys just <laughs> yep whatever you up there cool almost looks like he's dancing through it um that i love that scene i think that's probably my favorite of the so-called deaths same here <laughs> there's so many of them 
yeah. but when you and compare that to the end ones where it's just very oh you've you've just been shot once or whatever for the guys who killed them it just seems a bit flat uh, yeah, uh, what yeah, I think. Clarence. What I think uh, the problem is is that Emil's death is so memorable, which happens before these guys. Anything afterwards is always going to be any death afterwards is always going to be somewhat anticlimactic, because Emil's death uh, is such a fucking memorable one. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, I know a lot of people talk about Emil's death, with the toxic waste and all, but. I wasn't that impressed with it. I thought it was kind of stupid. No, I thought it was pretty And <laughs> the first time I saw it, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong when I was a kid. But now I look at it, I was like, this is stupid. And you're right on, Colin, because I saw it. Was, it's an hour and 44 minutes or something like that. And they're spending all this time of him going to the grocery store, fighting the grocery guy. The guy robbing them. Then he's fighting the girl. The, the girl's about to be raped. He attacks him. And the gas, very slow burns while, while they were being introduced to Robocop's, do, you know, can and can'ts. Yeah. Right, and but yet five minutes, five minutes, dead. The end. Yeah, it just gets I, it, through it very quickly. It is a right. It's channel. almost like it's almost like guys were running out of budget. <laughs> it is. Let's 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 just get this done. Yeah, we spend all of our money uh, on showing Peter Weller's face inside this suit. We need to hurry yeah. this up. <laughs> yeah, and the melting guy. Yeah, <laughs> that was our budget. Now, what I will say about uh, Mister Melty is. Um, Having again watched the edited version as a child, um, I didn't know that this was going to happen until many years later because the edited version just shows him rolling out of the truck in the liquid. Uh huh. So you just think yeah. like it's a generic death. So whenever I first seen this movie uncut, I think I was probably in my teens at that point. I was like, "Holy shit, that's funny as hell!" Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's funny to note. 12 times they had to bring this film back to the MPAA to get it edited. I think they were actually, they put it as, was it the X rating? It was basically pornographic because of the violence. <laughs> but yeah, but they never got rid of X They finally got it down to PG. To, uh, to sorry, PG? PG. <laughs> 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 yeah, they finally got down to rated R18. Um, um, but yeah, it took them 12, 12 edits. And yeah, the Melty Man was the big one. His execution, like the hand. Yep. Some of that got uh, cut because some of the shots linger. Apparently, um, 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 the Melty Man, the, the, the studio wanted to cut that completely, but then test audiences reacted so positively to it, they kept it in completely uncut. Well, well obviously not in Colin's case. There was yeah. obviously an edited version for, for TV and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it felt like, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if his movies were big over here. But there's this uh, uh, company called Trauma, uh, Trauma, and they do a lot of yeah Trauma. Uh, be you know, Clash of Nukem High, all yeah, these Toxic exploitation Avenger. camp. But it reminded me of the Toxic Avenger, same here, um, which was big at the time. So I, it almost like he's playing a little homage to that because it looks a lot like I him. felt that too. Uh, uh, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Now I, we talk about the ending, how it was rushed a bit. I do feel they. Even if you take away the violence, you know what I really would have loved? Instead of um, Nancy Allen um, shooting that gun while she's lying down in a puddle and she shot up and she blows away Ray Weiss in the tower, um, which was, you know, we won't talk about plausibility. But I thought it, I thought a better ending would have been where Robocop is trapped, he's fucked, can't do it, and all of a sudden all the police show up. 
of his precinct or somebody to help him. Wouldn't that have been a cooler? I don't know, um, because I don't know. Was, or do you think you'll be selling out? It's like, I mean, after the police had already turned on them, and um, it, it was basically it, um, the only two people that they had w- were each other, you know, Lewis and Murphy, you know? It was almost uh, like a symbolic thing there where everyone else had abandoned them and turned against them, including um, OCP, their creators, the police, obviously the villains, you know? All they had was each other. No, that the police were on strike at that point, because um, Lewis mentions in the scene where she's gone to get his gun, yes, that the precinct was empty. Uh, no, that she's the only one who knows he's Murphy. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, okay, I, I, I don't know. I think even if it's better that they're on strike, even if the captain showed up um, or something, because the captain had, you know, uh, yeah, he was a likable character, but he, he was he has no character. reason to go and defend him it's not again it's not like he knows he's Murphy and he wasn't emotionally involved with Robocop anyway because Robocop had technically you know with Bob Morton had, had actually you know basically encroached on his ground where, where you know where he was the boss and Bob Morton um, Bob Morton and all was a complete asshole to him as he even yep. says to Lewis you know he says um, you know, get the fuck out of my way there's new guy in town his name's Robocop you know there is, uh, we're talking about appreciation for it quite a bit, and we all obviously clearly like the film. What doesn't work? The, 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 some of the special effects, the stop motion. <laughs> Sorry, it has to. Ah, uh, see, I'm okay with the stop motion. The superimposed, okay, no, the stop motion's fine. It's the superimposed effects, you know, um, including um, whenever Ed Two Hundred Nine is first revealed, and he's obviously superimposed in front of the actors, and also whenever Dick Jones gets thrown out the window at the end. That well, the Dick the Dick Jones one is bad. Yeah, Dick, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, his arms were like four hundred times his length. Yeah, but um, it was eighty seven, like eighty six, eighty seven. Exactly. It's not a major Given, problem. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it does stick out a bit compared to the practical effects that were that were treated to by by Rob, um, Rob Button. So yeah, I mean, 14. it's a minor gripe. Well, yeah, but I would say the same. Like you go to terminator although it's an earlier film yes it's got the same weaknesses there's some things in that you're like holy shit that's really well done yeah and then there are other things you're like oh it shows its age but having said that you could throw god knows how much at a movie and you end up with terminator dark fate so you know (laughs) you can't really say i haven't seen it yet genesis was enough for me I know, I think we should talk Dark Fate, because I think it's going to bum her out. I, think, I, I haven't yeah, seen it. I, I think we'll comment. put that on uh, on the watch list, and we'll, we'll review Dark Fate, because we've already done Genesis. Yeah, we might as well. we got to go back to we got to still do Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say as well, on the subject of Terminator, the, uh, in Robocop, the cocaine factory um, massacre, it's very was very similar to me, and I mean this in a positive way, in a good way, in a complimentary way, it's very similar to me to the... Um, the police station massacre in the original Terminator. Mm, I can I can see where you're coming from with that. Well, I the only thing I can see that coming from, they both move the same, very robotic, and they're just to the left, it's just to the right, though. in the gum left. Yeah, yeah, that's. But but that's what I when I when you mention that I can picture I can see them side by side doing the same movements as they're moving the gun. Well, what I'm going to put out there then, and our listeners can join in as well. Because let's give this the good old classic debate. As we've mentioned, both of them, who would win, RoboCop or a Terminator? <laughs> Draw. I don't know. Terminator, maybe. Oh. This is, this is this is a question that has been debated since these movies came out. 
Apparently there's crossover comic books and stuff. There is indeed. And a, and a, and a game, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, Terminator. I would probably have to say Robocop just because um, I like Robocop first. Okay. <laughs> well, Robo- yeah, I'd say Terminator. And he's, and he's more human. And so you got to root for the human guy. No, no, I, I root for the fucking robots. <laughs> yeah, of course I, you would. I would be in Trevor's case. I would say Terminator would win. The reason being, look what Terminators have gone up against. Robocop was taken out by a couple of just generic humans with a jackhammer. Yeah, but but the Terminator can't 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 do much either, because the Terminator. I mean, remember that Lincoln Center on WhatsApp guys? I mean, he was, he's this big robot monster monster man, and he's got to go to a phone book to find Sarah Connor. <laughs> yeah, you know, but but what but else I, meant to I, do and, and also <laughs> also also. Robocop has this whole database in his system and stuff like that. I think, no, I think Robocop would be smarter. Terminator has a database as well, but... Yeah, yeah but it, yeah, not not for a phone book. <laughs> but they but wouldn't that's have because, had the phone book. Was that not explained by like all of the records being lost during the nuclear war? Yeah. No, oh, here we go. He's just going to start making... He's just going to start... Start quoting the movie? <laughs> 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 no, but, but I am a nitpicker, trust me. And I'll nitpick ah, for the he, good and the bad. You know? Oh my God! You guys in your ironclad logic. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. Um, yeah. So as we take this time here and talk about real quickly, RoboCop Two, which I don't think was offensive. RoboCop Two was directed by Frank Miller, who went on you know written by Frank of, Miller, wasn't it? Irvine Kirshner directed it. Irvine Kirshner, but it was written by Frank Miller. Frank Miller was a massive fame when he uh, at that time renamed Batman the Dark Knight. And he is also the man who gave us Sin City. Yes. And so I, I, th- I thought the villain was awesome, Tom Noonan. He's uh, a was brilliant actor. Nice to see. An absolutely yeah, fantastic a, actor. He's brilliant. He's always nice. Hunter. Yeah. And so it's, it's always nice to see him. And uh, I thought it was a creepy premise and an idea. Uh, now, Colin, you're, you haven't seen it in a while, though. Is that correct? Robocop 2? Yeah. I haven't seen Robocop 2 in a while. Um, I am I have mixed feelings of it. It's one of those ones where I think as a kid I preferred it. As an adult, I don't. Okay. Um, as, yeah. But it pretty much shows it's not offensive, though. It's a decent list. I, I haven't it's, seen it since it was first released. And it's I remember, not offensive. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Um, But I will say this. It lacks... I think it lacks some of the subtlety. As weird as it were to choose for a Verhoeven film that that may be. But it lacks the subtlety of RoboCop 1. It's just a bit... On the, like it's just really just. Here you go. Here's violence. Here's cynicism. Here's. Uh, it's not as clever as the original. It's not. No. I, I haven't seen it since it was originally released. I watched it on, I, on a rented video. Um, yeah. I'm gonna have to rewatch it again. To, to, but I remember thinking it was all right at the time, but not as good as the original. Well, we won't talk about RoboCop three. RoboCop three um, is a masterpiece. Yeah, <laughs> a masterpiece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's true. <laughs> that's, PG thirteen. Let's, let's stop right there. And the TV series, uh, from, from what I've seen of it, was pretty shit as well. Yeah, it was fairly watered down, and the villains were quite—they were almost like a caricature of themselves. Oh, it was so bad, uh, so bad, and it wasn't Peter Weller. Yeah, no. Um, we talk about the man who makes the suit, and um, I know the actor who played him. He's not a bad actor or anything, but. Although, having said that, the suit was still Weather's suit, so apparently it caused the actor for Robocop 3 great pain, which 
maybe helped his performance, I guess. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. I was in great pain. I wasn't wearing a suit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap things up, guys. Um, finding final thoughts? Anything you want to add? Um, Let me see. Oh, actually, the one thing I already mentioned sound. That yeah. theme song. Oh, yes. Brilliant. Yep. Sets the tone dun, of the movie fantastically. That song gets stuck in my head so much. I was humming it at work one day. Um, um, one of the guys I work with asked one of the other guys if I now had my own theme song. <laughs> you you know what's funny since you bring up the theme, because as I was listening to the uh, uh, the uh, watching the movie and listening to the, I was editing because I got the you know the score and um, I think it's Basil. Uh, God, I'm gonna butcher his last name again. Basil Doris who did the score. I'm going to look it up Because now. the theme, please do, because the theme sounds a lot like Conan's theme. It, yeah, it was the same guy. It's yeah, same guy. Because every every composer has their theme. And it kind of copies, you know, the Raiders of the March is a lot like the Empire March. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, both I believe he did John Red Williams. Heat as well, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah they're both him. Can I just say as there well, um, just to tie in the Terminator as well, the original trailer, they, the, the score wasn't um, done yet for RoboCop whenever they put out the original um, trailer for it um, back in the 80s. Uh, they actually used the Terminator theme for it. Really? Well, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. They do that, a lot of trailers. Yeah. A lot of trailers, if the score's not done yet, it's in post, they'll borrow a score from another film. Yeah. That's not uncommon. Yeah. But t- something um, as recognizable as the Terminator one, though. Yeah. I, we should check it out. I felt should, that too. There you go, guys. Google out the trailer, the original 1987 trailer, and see if you can find it. Um, yeah, so that's a wrap on RoboCop. I think we all agree it's a it's a great it's a great film. I think it holds up. In fact, I think it's even better when you see it through uh, well an adult's eyes. If you want to call me an adult, yeah, for me yeah. it's um, it, it's one of the it's one of the greats, um, and it has everything going for it. I I, blew, I first watched it as a kid. It blew me away, and it still does to this day. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. It, it's a, it's, a, it's a great film. It's in my catalog, and it will, it will stay there, and I'll always revisit it. Um, but there you go. Robocop. Check in fact, out. I would go as far as saying, I like it, <laughs> and, I'd bat, <laughs> and I'd bat for a dollar. <laughs> wow, if you could buy Robocop for a dollar now, that's pretty... Well, you might if it's DVD yeah. or VHS. Well, apparently there was another cutscene as well, see, where the, um, it turned out that the um, I'd buy that for a dollar guy... Um, it cuts to him at the very end, and he gets uh, him getting arrested. Um, apparently, it turns out he's a pedophile, but it was cut, so it was. Oh, uh, that would have that would have been creepy. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a little disturbing. Yeah. All right, guys, listen. Um, a lot of progress this week. We have our downloads are picking up, and and we got some uh, new listeners from India. Hello, hello, if India, you're listening. There you go. We've got um, some new um, followers in Sweden and in Germany. So welcome aboard. Thank you for listening to us. And, of course, everyone else around the world, uh, please keep downloading. And uh, leave us some comments. We're at CitizenFrame underscore podcast at um, Instagram. And, of course, Facebook, which is our home base temporarily well, at the moment. And... Um, we're coming up next with a couple of cool stuff. We're going to revisit A Quiet Place with A Quiet Place 2 because now it's made it more available. We're going to go ahead and watch that one. And then we've got uh, Night of the Comet coming up. We've got Commando. And then we're going to visit Venom to continue our Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> wow. That would have been a great sequel. 
Might have been actually kind of cool. Venom versus Darth. Uh, we're going to be revisiting our Spider-Man retrospective. Um, guys, thanks for joining me in this one. We're going to wrap this one up. And uh, we're done. Have a good one. <laughs>